Dear listeners, the effect of the earthquake that took place in the southeast Turkey is still present, and the needs of the earthquake victims are still continue. We wanted to announce the situation from here again to those who may want to help like us. You can check out the links in our page, The Horai, on the Instagram for all kinds of donations and aid. Thank you. Welcome to The Horai Podcast, where we explore the intertwined stories of music and history. We are your hosts. A historian and a musician. We hope you enjoy this journey through time. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Aegean Shores. In this episode, we'll continue to talk about music in ancient Greece where we left off at the last episode. Here we go! Let's briefly talk about Homer. Epic poetry and music were an inseparable pair, one being necessary to perform the other. In addition to this, elements of music itself make frequent appearances in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Oidos is the term that appears in the poem to indicate a singer, a bard, or hymn performer. This figure is a professional musician, indicating that music as an occupation had a place in society well into the classical period. Oide is the term used for ode, or song performed by the oidos. The modern word ode has its roots in this term. The aulos was not a frequently attested instrument in epic poetry due to it not having a place in the literary tone of these works. Instead of the aulos or any other wind instruments, the lyre takes the center stage as no other instrument is mentioned as much. The lyre's connection to epic poetry and its performance remains solid. Despite the huge presence of poetry in music, wordless instrumental music is not attested as a different type of genre and is instead probably seen as connected to music with lyrics. Now we're gonna briefly talk about Greek musical thought. In ancient Greece, music pervaded all aspects of life. It was believed that music affected people's moral characters or way of being and behaving and to have a better life. Music was necessary. Pythagoras, one of the earliest known pre-Socratic philosophers, observed that music depended on patterns and textures. These patterns, in his view, could be seen and understood through numbers, through which he championed the idea that musical sounds and rhythms had a deep connection to numbers, making a microcosm by themselves. In his view, music was inseparable from numbers, which were the keys to the universe. 
His ordering of rhythm by number led to his discovery of intervals as ratios, octave 2 to 1, fifth 3 to 2, fourth 4 to 3. His spiritual relationship with numbers led to a way to link abstract entities which he saw as divine, music and mathematics. Claudius Ptolemy, a figure who lived centuries later during the Roman period, was a leading astronomer of antiquity and a writer on music. Similar to what Pythagoras discovered centuries before, he observed that music was connected to astronomy, harmonia, and mathematical laws and ratios. In this view, movements of planets correspond to notes, intervals, and scales of music. In further Greek musical thought, music and poetry were one and the same. As mentioned earlier, they were deeply interconnected within this culture. Their union created harmony, or melos, which is song, a perfect mixture of speech, rhythm, and the aforementioned harmony. Another philosopher named Aristoxenus, who lived around 330 BCE, human voice had two kinds of movement, continuous and diastematic, which is expressed through intervals, scales and modes. Greek philosophers usually wrote about music in two types of works. The first one is in the form of philosophical doctrines, where they largely extrapolated on the place of music in society and the ideal of music, such as in Plato and Aristotle's writings, which we will expand on later. The second type is the one that resembles music theory, the most with its systematic descriptions and analysis of what constitutes music, similar to Pythagoras, meditations on music, and Aristides' extensive writings on musical method. Aristides wrote that rhythmic elements are made through keeping musical rhythm closely aligned with poetic rhythm. He also observed that in order to improve on harmonic elements, the performer had to use continuous movements and diastematic, in other words, intervallic movement. This takes into consideration how melodies consist of notes, interval, scale. Aforementioned concepts of definitions establish basis for all later music theory. It is possible to assume that music had an inherently spiritual dimension to it for commoners, as it is strongly connected to divine inspiration and the Olympian deities themselves, Apollo, Hermes, Amphion, and Orpheus, are prominent figures from religion and legends that are directly connected to music. Music, as a word, is etymologically connected to the muses as well. Let's talk about music in practice. Music as a performance art was called melos, which is where we get the word melody in the modern day. The construction of a melody had practical and philosophical aspects to it, and the right blend would be sought after. Unfortunately for us in the present day, we may never know what a perfect example of mellows would have sounded like, but we can have some idea. Surviving music is monophonic, meaning that it consists of a single melodic line with accompaniment with lyre or kithara. 
suggesting possible heterophony or polyphony sounds of many and different instruments on a single melody perfect mellows was conceived as a whole with the right melody the right lyrics and the right dance to complete the music as we mentioned earlier music and poetry were nearly synonymous exemplifying the blend of lyrics rhythm and harmonia harmonia from which we get our modern word harmony was a term to indicate the unification of parts as orderly whole within a musical context the concept of musical harmony had a special methodology behind it in ancient times as it does now it operated on principles of mathematical ratios of notation rhythm philosophical ideas on the origins and effect of music and how it has a primordial connection to the every order of the universe most terms related to poetry had an implication or undertone of music to it not many examples of non-musical ways of describing poetry are known lyric as the name suggests refers to poetry sung to the lyre tragedy incorporates noun meaning the art of singing hymn is another greek word for poetry where it is performed in musical terms and now we're going to mention about music and ethos music in greek thought had the power to affect ethical and moral character different philosophers through the ages have put their own discussions on how this might happen pythagoras had a more abstracted view on what music was capable of as he believed that music is governed by mathematical laws or operated within a visible and invisible world with this reasoning harmonia could influence other unknown realms and dimensions as part of the greater cosmos the human soul could be in harmony by the hand of the spiritual math music could penetrate the soul restore inner harmony plato and aristotle believed that gymnastics disciplines the body music disciplines the mind a point where their ideas aligned in plato's views the body and the mind must be balanced and certain music was more suitable to help achieve that he recommended dorian and phrygian harmonia fostered temperance and courage he believed that music operated on unbreakable rules and that lawlessness in arts led to loosening in manners and anarchy in society plato's idea of harmony of the spheres echoes the concept of musical astronomy unheard music as represented by revolutions of the planets aristotle did not have the same idea when it came to rules in musical practice music was for enjoyment and education and self-temperance as negative emotions could be purged through music and drama music that imitated certain types of ethos aroused the same temper in the listener for example the music might reinforce the ethos of intense agitation and grief small chromatic and anharmonic intervals and stark changes of register were connected to have that effect the use of scale type style of melody rhythms and poetic genres would overall create the ethos behind the music so in this case we should mention about doctrine of ethos in music this refers to the idea that music affects character and that different kinds of music cause certain responses 
calm spirit excitement and enthusiasm was associated with apollo drama and dithyram was associated with dionysos and now here we are to mention about theater in the classical age theater is one of the longest lasting legacies of greek civilization and music was closely connected to this mode of arts tragedy traditionally the invention of tragedy is attributed to a man named thepsis of icaria none of his works survive but it is believed that he was the one to add narration to the play and modify the exchanges between the leader and the chorus by introducing an actor separate from the chorus in this way he seemingly invented dialogue between characters Aeschylus, who lived between 525 to 456 BC, Sophocles, who lived between 495 to 406 BC, Euripides, who lived between 480 to 406 BC, wrote plays where worse is turned into an exchange, a dialogue. The dithyramb, a very distinct type of exchange within a play, it is the conversation between the leader and the chorus, and it is considered to be the root where the Greek tragedy came from. These exchanges in the form of song originated as hymns to Dionysos and later evolved to be a staple of theater. The dialogue between characters usually had no accompaniment and if their lines would be recited or sung, they would have to adhere to a meter. The interchange between the actor and chorus known as komos would also follow a meter actors sang and danced a fun fact sophocles was a master of singing lyre and dancing as well as writing plays aulos was always present and center in the greek theatre it was played to build tension create action and start a melodramatic ambience let's talk about greek music theory for a little while the foundations of what we know as music theory were laid in ancient Greece, articulated by the 4th century BCE. I will specify them shortly as Grote and Paliska in their research. The foundations of what we know as music theory were laid in ancient Greece, articulated by the 4th century BCE. The Greeks had three interrelated concepts, scales or systems, tonos or tonoi, and harmonia or harmoniae. The scales were organized into three genera, diatonic, chromatic, and enharmonic, and three were seven octave species, each with its name derived from ethnic names or regions. The tonoi represented the transposition of the entire system by semitone over the range of an octave between the hypodorian and the hypermixolydian, and three were the thirteen tonoi. However, Ptolemy in his harmonics construed the tonoi differently presenting all seven octave species within a fixed octave through chromatic inflection of the scale degrees. Pythagoras also construed the intervals arithmetically. The Greek modes did not have hierarchical relationships amongst the notes that could establish contrasting point of tension and rest. Although the misi, the middle note, may have had some sort of gravitational function. These definitions sound overwhelming right now, but now we're going to elaborate them one by one for you. The foundations of what we know as music theory were laid in ancient Greece are 
articulated by the 4th century BCE. In their research, Grote and Palaska have covered the basics of ancient Greek music theory and how it shows itself in modern music theory. Theirs is the research we will be sharing with you in this episode. In Western music, the tetrachord is defined as an ascending series of four notes. An example to this is the CDEF, or in other words, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, so on and so forth. Two tetrachords without a common tone combine to form a major scale, thus the tetrachords of notes CDEF, or in other words, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, and GABC, aka Sol, La, Si, Do, form the scale built of the C note, aka Do note. Becoming universally recognizable CDEFGABC, aka Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, Do, the same rule applies to all major scales. In contrast to the present, ancient Greek music took the descending tetrachord as the basic unit of analysis instead of the ascending one. Similar to the present, Ancient Greek scale systems were formed by joining successive tetrachords. The outer notes of each tetrachord were fixed and stable, and the inner notes determined what type of tetrachord was in use. Conjunct notes in a tetrachord or melody were the notes whose pitch did not differ a lot, whereas disjunct notes referred to consecutive notes that leap from one pitch to the other with noticeable difference. The middle note in tetrachord, or the central tone, was called misi, and each note in tetrachord was titled to indicate place in system, the hypotone, which is the title for the first and lowest, the disugmenon for the disjunct note high above the misi, the mison note, which was fourth below the misi, and hyperbolian used to indicate the extremes within a tetrachord. The Greek theorist Cleonides, who lived during the second categorized the tetrachords in different genera. The study of ancient Greek music separates the genera into the three categories of diatonic, chromatic, and anharmonic types. Diatonic type is the oldest one out of the three, and most natural diatonic in music refers to any arrangement of seven consecutive notes forming an octave which also is arranged in a stable pattern, the aforementioned C major, aka Do major. Scale is also an example of a diatonic arrangement translated into modernity. The diatonic genus is the white keys on the modern piano. Chromatic type is the latest attested genera of scale. It refers to the notes in composition that are outside the diatonic major and minor scales. In more modern terms, chromatic type is the black keys on the piano. Seven diatonic keys and five chromatic black keys come together to form a 12-toned octave or a chromatic scale. An harmonic type is the most refined out of all three, and it is difficult to hear. In a nutshell, the term anharmonic refers to the phenomena in which two notes that sound the same are notated differently as different notes. In modern music, notes are notated through seven letters, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and using different letters to represent equivalent notes is how anharmonic notes are put to paper. This concept was noticed in ancient times as well. Tonos, the singular Greek word for tone, and tonoi, the plural of the word, were used to refer to notes, musical interval, the geographical origin and pitch of a sound. 
Ancient writers such as Aristoxenus, Cleonides, and Aristides Quintilianus were the first sources to have used the term tonos in reference to which culture and region a sound may have originated from, thus making foreign types of music a distinctive base for analysis. The mood, the character, and the pitch of a sound came to be referred to by the ethnogeographic terms of Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, etc. The Phrygian scale we know of today is an example. Harmoniae, where we get the word harmony, was the concept of everything we have mentioned comes together in a coherent way with its own rhythm. To put in a more specific way, harmony determines the anharmonic equivalency of notes, the octaves of the sound and the character or the pitch. It is defined by context. Now we're gonna listen to Euripides Orestes, Stasimon Chorus. And right after, we will briefly analyze this piece. talk about Euripides Orestes Testament Chorus and we're gonna start with its lyrics. You wild goddesses who dart across the skies seeking vengeance for murder, we implore you to free Agamemnon's son from his aging fury. We grieve for this boy. Happiness is brief among mortals. 
Sorrow and anguish sweep down on it like a swift gust of wind on a sleep, and it sinks under the tossing seas. An example of theater music that survived from ancient Greece is a chorus that belongs to Orestes by the playwright Euripides, dating back to the 3rd century BCE. The play itself is from the 5th century BCE, but this chorus fragment was created in the 3rd century BCE. This chorus called a stasimon was found written on a piece of a papyrus with musical notation above the words, and it is possible that the music was composed by Euripides himself and passed down to later generations of scribes who reproduced his work. This fragment of Greek music is centuries older than the Cyclos hymn, which is the oldest known and the most complete piece of musical notation that survived from the ancient times compared to the Cyclos hymn. What survives from the Orestes chorus song is limited and more difficult to reconstruct. Even though the missing lyrics can be reconstructed from other copies that survive, the missing musical notation can only be guessed at since there is only one example of it that reached to the present day. Reconstructed versions of this chorus music are usually either distant or approximate guesses at what the music might have been, based on the assumption that the missing notes will be parallel notes to the known notes. The chorus in a tragedy plays the role of providing commentary to the drama that unfolds. As testament, the term we mentioned earlier is an ode the chorus sings about the events of the play while standing still in a semicircular organization. In this fragmented stasimen, the women of Argos beg the gods deliver Orestes from the madness that took over him since he murdered his mother in retaliation for her infidelity against his father. The chorus sang in what's called a dogmatic rhythm, which is constructed of six syllables and the pattern of three short and three long pronunciations. This type of rhythm was often used in Greek tragedy to indicate intense agitation and grief. So the moment where this rhythm was used in the play fits the dramatic situation. Descriptions of Euripides' music from the time when he was active noted that he had a complex and disjunct melodic style which fit the types of melodies that were used in tragedy plays. In his writings, the philosopher and biographer Plutarch credited Euripides with helping to introduce this type of music to the tragedy genre. The complex rhythms that Euripides preferred to use for his plays were the most suitable convey the anguish of the chorus during key moments of a tragedy. According to research of Brookholder and Palaska, the transcription shown here and one of the two performances on the recordings render the small intervals as chromatic. The other performance renders them as anharmonic. The notes shown here as B-flat are lowered a quarter tone and B is lowered to B-flat, producing quite a different effect. The chromatic performance is sung by a unison male chorus. In the anharmonic performance, a female singer, a soloist standing in for the chorus, is accompanied by an aulos, which we mentioned earlier, the double reed instrument of the Greeks. 
playing in unison with the voice but also holding drones against it. The Aulos flute was a staple of Greek tragedy soundtrack and it was the instrument that was most likely these melodies were written for. Musical symbols are differentiated by whether or not they are syllables or abbreviations of text. If they are notations independent of text, they are interpreted as musical notes written for instruments. And just like that, we have come to the end of our trip to ancient Greece. We hope you enjoyed this brief visit to ancient Greece as much as we have. These journeys that we have just started with you make us very excited. We hope our feelings are mutual. Wherever you are, we hope you're having a good day. We will see you next time. If you like to contact or to get more information about us, you can follow our visual storytelling page, The Horai, on Instagram. Cheers!